This call may be recorded or transcribed. Hello? Testing one, two, three? Yeah, Ernie, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Testing one, two, three. Yes, I can. Beautiful. Good morning. Good morning. How are you doing? Doing yeah. ah, uh, painfully well. It is a good morning. It's a beautiful, sunny day after a lot of clouds. It's quite chilly, but it doesn't feel chilly because I can see the sun, or at least uh -huh. see the light of the sun. And that's probably not a bad metaphor for how things are going overall. Is that like there's lots of things that are not going the way I would wish they go, uh -huh. but. I am starting to, and I'm not, it's interesting. I was reading The Road to Emmaus this morning for my devotional. Uh -huh. and it's a really strange story. Uh, and uh, you know, the thing that, you know, the, 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 like the poignant thing for me is that these guys are like serious disciples, right? They followed Jesus everywhere. They knew everything that had happened. They had Jesus himself explaining the scriptures to them. And yet they totally missed Jesus. And uh, I feel like that sometimes because some of the conversations I've had with people, it's like, like, how can you not see Jesus? And so I was wrestling with that this morning in my devotional. And then the thing that struck me was that when Jesus finally revealed himself uh, with the breaking of the bread, he disappeared. Uh -huh. And that's, and it's like, why? And what's going on there? And I don't know. I didn't really get any revelation about that. But the thing that struck me was that maybe that's why Jesus delayed uh, letting them recognize him is because for reasons that are beyond our comprehension, or at least current comprehension, he, he knew that once he revealed himself to them, he would have to leave. Um, and therefore, he deliberately veiled himself from them to prolong the encounter. Uh -huh. And that's the thing that's really, um, uh, I guess sitting on my heart this day is that, you know, I am desperate to see Jesus, right? I want the people around me to see Jesus. And uh, not unlike a lot of my friends, they're desperate for the second coming. Right. And having to grapple with the reality that like, okay, I know that's what I want. And I know that's the good thing. But God has a bigger purpose and it would actually short circuit his purpose for him to show up and be recognized. Um, and in some sense, we, uh, it would almost actually cheat us of continued experience of him for him to show up. Uh -huh. And so I'm just uh, kind of um, wrestling with this idea, discipline, submission, whatever the right word is, of just accepting that I need to be on this road and that Jesus is with me, not just even though I don't see him, but perhaps because I don't see him. And that that's the way he wants it. Uh -huh. Which I guess is in some ways a relief. Because it's not like, like, because I, I, was, I was going to this test, like, what is wrong with these disciples that they didn't see Jesus, right? Uh, or maybe what's wrong with me that I'm not seeing Jesus? And it's like, no, this isn't uh, a shameful thing or a failure. This is all part of the plan. And I need to just accept that that is the road I am on, and that's the road Jesus wants me to be on. And this is how he wants me to experience him now. And the goal is still to ultimately see Jesus. But it's not about forcing Jesus to reveal himself. It's about, wait, it's about, I mean, there is a, 
ah, this is the interesting thing for me maybe, is that the, the, the hidden Jesus character, um, if I might be so bold, was kind of annoying, right? He was like literally chewing these guys out for being stupid. And yet they insisted that he stay with them. Um, and therefore they got to see him. And I guess this gets back to this idea of dwelling with discomfort that we've talked about a lot and welcoming the, um, the, the, the other, the thing we've objected, uh, the thing we object to. And that if we can find, even though they had no clue what was going on, somehow they found the grace to, that there was something burning within them that their minds refused to accept. They said like, hey, I wanna be here. I want you to be with me. And that was the thing, that was the one thing they did that opened the door for them to see Jesus. So that's what's going on with me. How are you? Uh, well, I just want to go back to the beginning of what you said. I wasn't sure I heard the word, but I think you described yourself as painfully well. That's how you're painfully doing? well. Yeah, painfully, painfully well. well. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, no, that's a very interesting reflection on uh, on that experience. My immediate mind jumped to um, they didn't have the spirit yet. Uh, which is why they were slow to understand. And uh, I don't know if that's, a, you know, that probably is a detour from where you were, what you were reflecting on out of that, which I think was also powerful, that uh, if the Lord were to reveal himself to us more clearly, it would short circuit what he's wanting to accomplish uh, right now. Um, yeah. yeah. I've... Uh, I, I often wake up very um, consumed with the things that were previously interaction with Emiliana to uh, interact about things that I, she and I both care passionately about and see if we can find a way to uh, deepen uh, our respect for each other amidst disagreement. Um, mm-hmm. I'm also very mindful that we're um, facing litigation from family members and my wife is stressed and loving my wife not engaging with uh, that uh, with anything other than what uh, uh, and yeah so I, th- I thought your decision to like affirm I want to connect with you uh, now is not a good time and you know I think that was a, but you know, I think that was well, well phrased, and I think she'll receive it well. And I think yeah. that, you know, I think we'll be in a. I mean, like, I'm in a much better place with regards to Emiliana than I was uh, a week ago. Right. I feel right. like she and I have worked through some things, and I feel like my mental model of what's going on is more resilient than it was. Yeah. Uh, when I started philosophy, right? That was the whole reason I started philosophy. Is I felt like there are these very rigid uh, reactions. Um, there was a dream I had, I don't know when it was, a few months ago, that somebody just liked on WordPress. So I, a, a small confession, like I, I stay away from Facebook and Twitter because it just is so all consuming once you try trying to keep up with the conversations and relationships there. Right, um, right. But there's this little mini social network on WordPress of other bloggers. And like, you know, when I post something, I'll often get, you know, a handful of responses of people liking stuff. And that right. means a lot to me, especially some of these faces yeah. I know and recognize and people who I read. And, um, and then every now and then someone will uh, like something from way back. And this was a uh-huh. post called Gun Control, which had two uh, movie stars. I think it was Ben Affleck and Owen Wilson. And uh, the Ben Affleck character is like, uh, his partner, Owen's partner, who's accused of murdering somebody and they're trying to prove him innocent. But his, his hand, when they're sitting there, his hand like reaches out, apparently without his own volition, and pulls out a gun and tries to shoot him. 
but fortunately, uh, Owen realized this and filled it with blanks. And like, it really struck me in this context I've been having about, you know, my subconscious reaction is that there is this thing within me that I'm trying to get a, uh, uh, come to terms with is probably the right word that um, instinctively reacts uh, for self-defense uh -huh. and uh, to preserve myself, to preserve my life. And um, like, this is a really important reflex to have to, to become an individual, but it is the thing that seems to get in the way of Christ. Right. And so um, I feel like in the last couple of, you know, the last week or so, God has graciously uh, surfaced um, my unchrist like reactions in ways that others can recognize. Uh-huh. And I guess to our previous conversation, this is the thing that is uh giving me the raw material for developing my character. Which is kind of where yeah. we ended our last conversation. Yeah. I was curious if you had any further reflections on that. You said there's something very transformational about Romans 8:29. Hmm. Um, uh, yeah, I remember at the time, but I don't. Uh, <laughs> that's what, I, what actually has uh, been capturing my thinking recently has been uh, this. Uh, I actually included it in a link um, that was probably ignored in the conversation with Emiliana. To uh, I think I included the transcript that I distilled from um, a presentation by Matthias Desmet uh, somewhere in Europe, I think maybe in the Netherlands. But, mm -hmm. um, but uh, last night I was listening to the Catholic um, discussing, uh, so there's a man named Robert Malone who um, made one of the critical discoveries steps that developed and eventually into the mRNA vaccine. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so I listened last night to a 45, 50 minute, um, interview of him, <clears throat> which, uh, it, 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 he, um, he, he mentioned the Desmet, uh, interview or, or uh, basically the thing, things that been looking at about how um, the rise of totalitarianism in Germany and Russian and Russia under Stalin um, parallels in some ways things that are unfolding in our society. And uh, here's the funny thing, uh, Robbie. Um, I was watching. I was. I was just listening to the history of the Roman Empire. Uh -huh. uh, and like all the betrayals and backstabbings, um, and like it is weird because the the timeline counts down to zero A.D. Right, you start with like six hundred eighty-seven yeah. and then forty-seven and then like you're in forty-four. It's like, huh? Like the Roman Empire under Julius Caesar was founded in forty-four B.C., basically around the time like one could you know that uh, that Joseph might have been born. Right. You believe right. the Catholic idea that he was a. So it's like, huh? And it is, it is painfully, uh, awkwardly true that Paul could not have carried out his missionary journeys across the Mediterranean without right. the horribly corrupt, evil Roman Empire uh, paving those roads, quite literally and metaphorically. Yeah, yeah. That's a very and interesting... Here's the, you know, and, and that's the other thing that, like, that, that, that I've uh you know agonized over is that like i look at the horrible things that happened in nazi germany and the soviet union right uh, but then i look at what they were like before uh -huh. the weimar republic before hitler uh the czars uh before the bolshevik revolution and it's like well in some ways they were far more cruel and totalitarian on the other hand they sort of dragged that country into the modern world in ways that 
if that had not happened, they quite likely would have dissolved and been just uh, um, annihilated by their neighbors. Feuding states, maybe. And, yeah. Yeah. Well, the feuding states, and then the way these things tend to work, someone else would have taken them over. Right. right. I think yeah. history to see that, 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 like, you know, just living in your peaceful village and hanging out isn't a stable situation for the human race. Right. Right. And it's like, okay, yeah, it kind of sucks that this is what happened. But what was the alternative? Right. And like, what if God is doing something bigger and better and more important that um, just doesn't happen to jive with our values or our interests? Are yeah. we okay with that? Yep, yep. The um uh, the one of the things that Robert mentioned yesterday was uh, something that Mark observed that uh, the concentration, the increasing concentration of wealth, of wealth in uh-huh. investment firms that have uh, you know more capital than many nation states, um, sure. and that is an amoral influence. Um, that just seeks greater return on investment, however it comes. Um, right. And that some of the things they fund are uh, counterproductive to human life and value. And things right. Things, there's yeah. a whole new mission. Yeah. Do, you, do, I just hear it. do they include the Cook Brothers in that, What's that? category? Do they include the they Cook Brothers, K O C H? I don't know about the Cook Brothers. Okay, they're, they're famous sponsors of conservative causes and funding the fight against belief in global warming and things like that. Oh, well, I'm looking more at the uh, Mission Frontiers ran a whole issue on the death industries that promote. Oh, okay, sorry. So what you're talking about, sorry, let me just make sure, let me just get this out. What you're talking about is people with a lot of money and power who fund causes that you see as contrary to your values. Well, that uh, yeah, I would say contrary to kingdom values. Uh, ah, he, this uh, so this is where we have to have a conversation, Rocky. Yeah. Because, so would you? Like, yeah. Well, right. can I can you know, identify some of them? So, would you would you consider pornography contrary to kingdom values? I mean, how do we define pornography? Does Song of Solomon count? Uh, no, I don't think so. Why not? Okay, so does erotica count in general? Does what? Erotica, literature written that oh. uh, explicitly describes genitalia and the sexual act. Um, well, okay. Let me start with something that may be more... Uh, <laughs> uh, how about keeping keeping people addicted to uh, uh, things that are destructive to them? The opium wars that the U.S. pushed on. So the and, idea uh, that it's okay. Well, so the idea that someone would say, you know, hey, the poor are really suffering. We should let them have their grace. Yeah, like Proverbs says, right? <laughs> Wine is for yeah. those who are uh, suffering. Right. Yeah. Um. So. Well, okay, you know, maybe uh, maybe I'm too simplistic in my thinking about this, but anyway, this is uh, uh, but 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 but, but anyway, what? Well, so do do is is um, are do you think do you see any industries that are contrary to kingdom values? So I'm not even sure what you mean by kingdom values. Do you mean Judeo uh, Davidic values, Mosaic values? I literally do not know what you mean. Yeah. Uh, well, what do you mean? Um, I guess things that uh, cause suffering, which other people encourage because they profit from it. Okay. So, things that cause suffering. Um, So you're making it sound like um, that it's against kingdom values for people to suffer. 
Uh, no, I wouldn't say that. Um, okay. So, well, so suffering is good. So, uh, let me give you a. I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say that suffering is good either. <laughs> well, okay, but let let me let me give you a. Uh, well, okay, but if it, so, but so the question is, is that so suffering just is? It's a morally diversely new. It is. It is not a moral good or bad in itself. Is what I'm hearing you say. I would say some some suffering is inflicted um, by in for let's see there are some who willingly inflict suffering on others for their personal profit and I see that as evil. Okay, but how do, can you define suffering for me? Um, I, I mean, uh, like we just talked about, like, like you, you give me an example of like drugs. Well, drugs seems like the opposite of suffering. Hey, right? I'm taking away your pain in a way that uh, destroys relationships and productivity. And, ah, ooh, ooh, ooh! This is good. This is value. good. Okay, so productivity. Well, let's you know. Hey, uh, let's let's. Take productivity off the table because amphetamines are really good at improving productivity, and so you know, addicting people to to workaholism, I don't think is anything you'd be in favor of, right? Yeah, you know, I'm not sure it's uh, it's worth my time. Oh, but, but but no, but, but, but Robbie, this is this yeah. is critical because I think you said something that I really do agree with. There is a thing that is done which i think actually might that i might actually go along with as being evil things that destroy relationships and the capacity to have relationships like okay. if someone gives you a drug that just fries your brain you're no longer able to relate i think you know that is something i would consider evil okay. so i can agree with you on that part okay so let's start there yeah, and you know so when we talk when we talk about pornography, I look at the way that it destroys marriages and families. That's, that's right. So, part of it, so I, I don't disagree. Okay. That there are ways and times that pornography has this dehumanizing. Let's use that word, right? Uh -huh. Where it can dehumanize us. Okay. All right. And that there is a thing there that destroys the capacity to build and sustain relationships. Right. Okay. So let's start with that as a value that we are in favor of of being fully human in relationship with ourselves, one another, and God. Okay. Right? And that things that get in the way of that are things that we can fairly call evil. You, are we we've, agree we've, on that? Uh, yeah, I feel like we've gone so far from the point I was making that uh, it, I, I, we're on a different conversation. But Okay, so help me understand what's different, because I thought you were, we were trying to define kingdom values so we could say that there's something wrong with the people who promote something opposite to that. Well, let's go back to Jesus said you can't serve both God and money or mammon or you know, whatever translation you want okay. to use. Sure. And, uh, it appears to me that the concentration of uh, money as an influence in society at a global level concentrated right. with force and power than uh, nation states, many nation states is a significant influence in the world. Now, well, yeah. I mean, so when has that not been the case? Well, I don't believe it's ever before been concentrated to the level it is now. Excuse me? Uh, last I checked, under the Roman Empire, like pretty much all of the wealth of the world was concentrated in one city and a handful of senators and emperor. China didn't exist. So, China, okay, I'll give you China. Um, but in terms of technology and 
an expansive bureaucracy and military system and political power. Um, I don't think that sort of uh, uh, the, I mean, sure, I'll give you the Chinese emperor. Um, but I mean, compared to sort of a, you know, a world where there's like two or three emperors who have enormous power, um, it's kind yeah. of hard for me to feel bad about the distribution of power now. Okay, well, I do think that there's a tremendous parallel. And I, I sure bring it. No, but okay, okay, but let, 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 let me give you a point. There's lots of people who have power who are not us. And a lot of them have values that I disagree with. Uh, so what? Well, I feel like every time I start talking, you interrupt before I've gotten to the point. Okay. And take a I apologize. I apologize. Let me let let me just shut up and let you make your point, and then let me know when you yeah. need to ask questions. Yeah. Okay. So, um, in the conversation yesterday, and I, I think it's uh, the uh, recording that I listened to of uh, Robert Malone. Uh, he was talking about the influence of this kind of concentration. That, and I, you did, and I think it is, and I think it it is, you know, biblically, um, there is, you know, in Revelation this presentation that the world unites in opposition to um, Christ, and various, and that there's suffering in the process. I think that uh, the. Uh, the dynamics around that, um, uh, in corporate settings filter out moral values that we would resonate with in terms of connecting people and uh, richness of life in favor of the focus of mammon is on return on investment and finding ways to investment. Um, so I don't think that the position of uh, believers who are listening to Jesus and being led by the Spirit is necessarily to fight against that, but I think it is important to recognize uh, this unfolding, we could say again in our day, as it did in the Roman Empire, and ask, how should we then live? The question changed the pose. So I'm willing to stop and interact with Yeah, so... Um, the thing that breaks my heart at the moment uh -huh. is I, I have a different perspective on what it takes to bring the kingdom of God. And from my what's, what is, what's, what's the perspective you think I have? If you're going to so say you have like it. Yeah. So, so I hear you saying, like, okay, I see these things out in the world uh, where there are people who are doing things that, um, uh, can I use the word dehumanizing as a sort of a catch-all term for this kind of evil where they're, like, they're the, promoting things that are dehumanizing if, uh, if know, I cutting could, us off from ourselves and each other. Yeah, I particularly want to emphasize the and each other. I think the uh, the most horrific results of what's happened in recent years has been the breakdown of relationships to where um, oh, I, yeah. okay. I would find yeah. it difficult to have a conversation with somebody who disagrees with me. Oh, ooh, good. This is where I was going to go. Okay. This is the thing that breaks my heart. Yeah. And God's heart. Is that, yes, I, this is the thing that breaks my heart, is that what I seem to hear you say is that these people you've been listening to are telling you, oh, okay, we agree that this thing is happening. We have these horrible, painful divisions in the body of Christ where we are becoming less than ourselves because we're being separated from each other, right? Yeah, and that the solution is to pursue community formation. 
Right. And here's the, the thing, though. Like, okay, so far we're so good. But then, like, I look at this and I say, this has, I mean, ah, this is the fascinating. Uh, I had, uh, there's this uh, blogger, uh, I know, actually, I've met him personally a few times. He's a tech writer, but he opines about everything. He's a bit of a firebrand. Uh, but he is, you know, very much considered himself a liberal on the left and all these sorts of things. But he made a point of calling out conservative voices he listens to because he okay. thinks it's really important to understand the reasonable people on the other side, not just yeah. the extremists. Right. And he called up these uh, these two guys, uh, these two African-American conservatives, um, Don McCorder, I guess, is one of them. And he talked about woke racism and they were debating this term systemic racism. Uh -huh. And they talked about why they don't like the term systemic racism. And some people were calling him out like, well, don't you don't see this, don't you see that? He was like, okay, back up. He said, like, there are inequities in this world, okay? Yeah. There are yeah. things that are desperately wrong and clearly some things that happened in the past caused those things to be, you know, you know, one of the reasons why things are the way they are, okay? And it's like, I don't want to deny those facts. Those are clearly true facts. He says, what I, what he says, what I object to is kind of a spiritual thing, is mm -hmm. to say to black people, hey, your problem, is when people say, hey, your problem is the systems out there, those powerful people holding you down, those malicious people who, enjoy the fact that you're in misery, they are the problem. He said, that, you know, it's like, that may be true, but it's uh -huh. the wrong focus. The real right. focus yeah. should be on character and relationship and individual responsibility. Yes. And what's breaking my heart, and I don't know what to do about this, because I don't know how to say this in a way uh, that makes sense, but from where I sit, the biggest problem that's hurting your relationship with M is not these powerful people out there on the other side who are, you know, spending money to profit from the death industry, but yeah. these voices you're listening to that are framing the problem in a way that uh, M finds abhorrent. And I don't know if you're willing to let go in order to find a place where you can meet her. Well, um, does that even make uh, sense? Uh, well, I, I think I could make sense of it. I don't relate to it. Um, well, could you at least tell me what you think I heard? Because I don't know if I was making sense. Okay, that uh, you, well, the. Yeah, I don't know if I could reconstruct it, but I think the punchline seems to be that you feel like I'm listening to voices that um, M would find abhorrent and that um, I uh, blame uh, the the force of mammon is to narrow it down to what I was saying as the villain in this situation um in a way that doesn't help uh resolve my situation my relationship or uh, doesn't help with the the difference in the way that m and i are viewing the world is that close uh, uh close but not quite okay so let me just see what we can let me try and practice the thing that i've been preaching so let me see yeah. what we agree on. We agree on there are things in the world that dehumanize us. Right. Right? Okay. Yep. And that there are people who promote those things. Yep. Right? And that these things, are, we could fairly call them evil or contrary to what God wants for us. Okay. Right? So yep. what I've heard you say is that the important thing is to recognize those people who are doing these things and resist them or expose them or be able to counter them. 
No, is that a fair statement, or am I, I might misunderstand something? Yeah, no, I think that's the con. I think we, we simply it is important to recognize that as the context in which we live, not to identify the people, but just to acknowledge and accept that there are forces working to break down local community and to uh, seek through God's Spirit to find unity. So I've been working this morning on learning and memorizing Ephesians 2, which talks about how God takes away the dividing wall of hostility. And um, I feel like God has been giving me insight into how to pursue the development of local community in my neighborhood, which I imagine is deeply divided, but I haven't ventured into discovering how deeply divided we are because uh, I didn't. I didn't have uh, an idea of how to um, pursue uh, connectedness in the face of that. Uh, but I, I think God's giving some ideas about how to pursue that, and I'm very excited about that. Okay, so cool. Maybe maybe I misinterpreted what you were saying. Uh-huh. I heard something different and more encouraging. That maybe I should focus on that rather than the things I take exception to. What I hear you saying is. It's good to be aware that there are forces that are at work to divide us, but it's not that important to identify what those forces are or even necessarily agree um, what those forces are. Is that a fair statement? Um, close. I, I don't think. I mean, I mean like, for example, if I, okay, so, okay, sorry, clarify what you meant. Yeah, well, I don't think it's important to agree on them, but I think it is uh, important for each of us to be seeking the Lord about what those are and how he wants us to respond. Uh, okay, and when you say respond, what kind of response well, do you think is appropriate or needed? Uh, well, so... So one of the things I've been looking at is um, the war on uh, what I, I perceive as a war against scientific inquiry, um, particularly okay. as it relates to nutrition. So uh, Linus Pauling is the only In the interest person. of time, okay, yeah. time let me just say, okay, we have talked about this before. That's a label you have. So you, have, so one of the things that you feel you have seen is a war against scientific inquiry. Okay. So given that, that there is this thing out there that exists called a war against scientific inquiry, what kind of response are you looking for or pursuing? Yeah, well, you know, my experience of science is we allow uh, multiple no. hypotheses Sorry. and we develop... Yeah. Okay. Um, processes for testing those and uh, what I see presently is a, a societal uh, shift towards silencing voices that don't agree with the main narrative and uh, not <laughs> I'm sorry Robbie, Robbie yeah? excuse me for a moment sorry you, yeah. I just had a very rare for me moment of feeling like um uh, a colored person in a white world when I heard you say that. And this doesn't happen to me very often, so I just need a moment to yeah, uh, okay. process that. Okay, give me like 10 seconds. Okay, sorry for interrupting, continue. Well, I'm fascinated with, uh, you know, uh, what what that what, what you mean by that description of that experience. Oh, is, is this the idea that the world used to be a one in which uh, the dominant narrative didn't brutally squelch alternate narratives. Like so, from my, yeah. So like as a as a person who's lived in the on the margin between white yeah. and colored society, I look back and say, oh my god, the dominant Christian narrative of the fifties uh-huh. um, uh, was horrifically effective. At squelching non-mainstream narratives. I don't remember much from the 50s, personally. No, um, but I mean, it, it doesn't take, it's not hard to look back at life before the civil rights movement 
okay. and see what the dominant narrative was. And frankly, as a evangelical Bible believing Christian who believes in the dignity of all human beings to right. see the dominant narrative that was labeled Christian and okay. the narrative that it squelched is quite painful. Yeah. Well, and so to own. say we live in a world where the mainstream, the, the mainstream narrative has always crowded out alternate narratives. I mean, uh, that's why it's the mainstream narrative. I mean, do you think that there, I mean, so like what, I, what I'm hearing you say is that you feel like there was a narrative at one point that was quote unquote good. And I'm not, saying that there's some validity to that viewpoint, um, you know, that like the, some of the narratives that are on now, I find deeply disturbing. But then I look back and say, well, you know, the narratives we had before, I'm not all that thrilled with either. And so that's where the nostalgia piece made me react. I didn't mean to derail you, but that was what I was reacting to. Yeah. Um, well, you know, I've, I've probably lived a very sheltered life. Um, my, uh, I probably told you the story before my mother invited a black, uh, janitor to sit with the students, uh, that were left during break in Mississippi at a school. Her mom ran the kitchen and they were running yeah. out of town an hour. Uh, yeah. so I've, you know, I've experienced that, that power of the dominant narrative vicariously through, um, my parents, my grandparents who were missionaries mm -hmm. to China. But um, I, my, my experience has been that we've shifted in recent years from a society where, you know, people, where there was freedom of speech, where whatever somebody mm -hmm. said, you know, was mm -hmm. debated rather than uh, silenced <laughs> and deplatformed. Mm -hmm. And I see that right. as a serious uh, shift in society, maybe comparable to what happened with Germany at the beginning of the rise of Stalin. So let's just stipulate that there is a shift that has occurred. Okay. Okay. And that this war against China should agree. So what is, what kind of response, you know, do you think is called for, assuming all those things are true? Uh, well, so first of all, the suit of community and the reestablishment of the ability to discuss without needing to agree, in fact, without mm -hmm. needing to agree in advance, um, and, and uh, the the science the restoration of science. So I see a shift from science, which says, uh, ah, okay. ah, okay. Can I finish my sentence? Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, where we have competing hypotheses and we discuss how would we test these competing hypotheses, uh, that seems to have been swept away. Ah, okay. Good, good. Okay, this is really helpful. Let me know when I can respond. Yeah, yeah okay, uh, that's fine. I'm, I'm, you can ah, okay, so there's two things I find fascinating about this. Yeah. One is this idea of restoration that there was this thing that was true and is no longer true. It was true for me. I could discuss things with, you know, I think uh, uh, <laughs> I could discuss things pretty easily with uh, some of the people I can no longer do that with. Okay, good. So there's, a, okay, and the question, oh, right. And you think that going back to that would be wonderful. Uh, I think it would be healthier. Uh, yeah. Oh, but yeah. Oh, ooh. Oh. This is good. This is good. This is good. Well, well, right. but, but yeah, but okay, but, but back, but, but no, no, I get that, right? I see, oh, yeah, of course. Right? Yes. You want to go back to Eden, the place uh, of innocence, where you didn't well, have to deal with all this crap i i don't know how you I, i'm not following you but um i i don't see no, no, this is, I, I see community this, as part of uh revelation as well as eden so i don't see it as going but, but, back but but but, 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 ah, but this is the thing 
this is the thing. Um, okay, I'm not explaining myself well, but there's something no. here that is very profound. So there's two things I've heard that okay. I think are really profound, and I don't know how to articulate them and respond to them, and maybe I shouldn't try. Okay. Let me just leave this on a cliffhanger, because there's two things you said that I think are very important to you and are genuinely good things, okay? All right. One is this idea that there was a time when it seemed like people were living together in unity and harmony, and something has yeah. destroyed that, I and that, that feels far. wrong. Well, well, you just said that you were able to live, talk, and have conversations with people, and now because of things that have happened, you no longer can have that sense of community with them, right? Isn't that what you said? Yeah, your description sounded like an over-exaggeration of that. Okay, but uh, but no, I mean, I, I mean, I, I don't mean that to be negative. I meant that to be like, yeah, like there is this really beautiful, positive, harmonious thing that you experience that has been lost. There's also a process supported that. And, maybe, uh, maybe, but but but, okay, but, 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 let's not get into the process now. Let me just say that, okay. that, that's a thing there, okay? And that, I think that is a thing that I need to just dwell with, okay? Because right. um, that's true, okay? And the second thing that I heard was that uh, in addition to a relational dynamic that was going on of living in harmony, there was sort of a, for lack of a better term, intellectual dynamic where we could step back and analyze and have these sort of reasonable discussions about things right. in a way that seems very difficult now. Yeah. And yeah, so there's two words that I used to identify with that I no longer identify with. Mm -hmm. One is this idea of restoration. And the other is this idea of rational. Okay. And these are both words that I, I get the sense from what you've said that you see as sort of virtues uh, worth pursuing to be rational and to, and to, to, to bring restoration. Is that a fair uh, statement? Um. Um, yeah, my the impulse is to say, you know, I do value what I understand as the scientific process of inquiry, which seems to me to have uh, been lost in the last right. couple of years. Is, is it fair for me to call that rationalism or rationality? Or do you, is that uh, not a... No, I... I, uh, I Rational I, discourse? I, well, there's something about scientific inquiry which, to me, goes beyond rational discourse. That is, um, you can you can debate and discuss things, but identifying hypotheses and establishing processes by which they might be tested and okay. Uh, okay. doing okay. that. Okay, fine. Uh, the, uh, yeah. How about the word analytic? Does that work for you? Um, I would prefer to just stick with scientific inquiry. Scientific inquiry. Okay. Scientific inquiry. Let's, okay. Let's fine. All right. Um, um, I prefer to think of the underlying presuppositions behind that, but fine. Okay. I'll let you use, I have to, okay. The, uh, a scientific approach, is that a fair synonym? Uh, okay. That... Uh, you know, as long as we're clear that, it involves uh, testing hypotheses rather than just defaming people or trying to discredit oh, them. Right. I mean, uh, uh, scientific approach as opposed to that hominem or whatever. Sure. Okay. Fine. Um, so these ideas of restoring the sense of common community and um, honoring we, a scientific approach. And we skip the I, the phrase restoring. Um, oh, I, okay. I just, Pursuing community. Okay, well, no, that actually, no, I, I don't think I can, because okay. the, because you explicitly introduced that as this thing that you believe you had in the past that you have lost because of these malignant forces. Well, forget that whether I had. This what? is what. I, uh, forget whether we had it in the past. I think this is. Oh, what, okay, okay. Oh, okay. Um, sorry. The, sorry. If you can, 
if we can drop that entirely, that eliminates all my objections. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so, if, we, you know, if, we, if, we can, if we can say like, hey, we may have had horrible community in the past. It may have been completely dysfunctional. And right. there are no forces that destroyed it. Those are, or there may or may not be forces that destroyed it. Those are, if we can start, if we can let go of all that, then actually, yeah. that actually vastly simplifies the conversation. Yeah, yeah. Because if you okay. don't think that those are important, because like, you, every time I talk to you, you bring these things up, and that's why I thought they were important. But if you're thinking well, that's actually something we can let go of, that'll actually be hugely helpful. So, uh, you know, I well, have enjoyed and lived in community in the past. I was thinking this morning about how rich the Caltech Christian Fellowship was with Catholics and Pentecostals. <laughs> yeah. You know my history with the Caltech Christian Fellowship. So. Um, you know, I, I know a little bit, but I, I apparently <laughs> know whatever you'd like. So, uh, they kicked that. me out, right, eventually. But that's oh, I so didn't know that. that. The, yeah, so like... <laughs> so. Okay. These things that you see are so wonderful, I see as like horribly toxic. And so right. if we have to agree on those things to make progress, if we, if we can just like, so this is, a, I think this actually is a good place then because I really need to stop and, and get my day going. Is right. that, okay. so let me think, let me, let me, because it feels like there's, um, something that I thought was important to you that you're actually willing to let go of. And I want to think about, I want, like us both think about like, you know, is that actually, because I would like you to think about whether that's actually true, that you can actually let, really let, let go of all those things. Let, and let I need me, to think about what I believe and what, yeah. I, what I want to move forward. Let me, let me make a one minute statement, which wraps it up from my end. So I sure. have enjoyed experiences that to me seemed like community, but I realized looking back, that they have all been uh, a limited community within the larger society that I have not uh, experienced true breadth of community in the way that God's kingdom will eventually appear in. And my community has always been a small circle of like-minded people at various levels that expanded from a single Methodist denomination to a multi-denominational fellowship to uh, People from a global background gathered around to God's purpose, um, but I've never been comfortable or known how to connect with my neighbors who may or may not believe the same things. And in fact, I've uh, been fairly divided from a family who hasn't followed Christ that I have, uh, which you know is in line with what Jesus said might happen, but it's not. So. I now have, uh, as I'm looking at Ephesians 2 this morning, in light of all the things we've talked about and things we haven't yet touched on, uh, with a sense that I think I see how to uh, pursue community with all of my neighbors, regardless of our beliefs, around our common humanity. And uh, I'm very excited about that. So I'll, I'll stop. Great. There. That's great. That's actually really encouraging to hear. And that feels like a shift um, uh, that's happened in the last few days. From uh, I'm curious, um, you know, where this can, is going to go. But I'm encouraged. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. All right. Talk to you soon. Bless you. Uh huh. Bye. Bye.